wonder what I'm going to say on my intros. I want to exit from this despair. I want to also give a warning to other creatives. Create like it's your last. Because with the reversal of role, they're not going to stop there. If you have something meaningful to say that is going to shed light and bring happiness to the world, you better do it before the conservatives decide. And that's how I want to begin my day every day, creating something new, interesting, and that's educating and expand the world instead of bringing darkness. So what is going on with the Dallas Cowboys? So I had the pleasure of watching part of the game this past Thanksgiving. I made a special effort to be in my house. And I try to be in my house most holidays because I, in the last several years, I have loved and at most liked where I live. So I was in my I was in my um pajamas and I my Grinch that stole Christmas pajamas laying inside my little Millie Mouth dog Ethel and we were just kicking it and I had many things queued up on the streaming service and the Dallas Giants game did not disappoint uh we only had them by eight and I think the spread was like three to ten points but eight points is not bad but they should not have scored the Giants should not have scored that last touchdown um in the fourth quarter because they had been scoreless since the half. However, you can, I have the full, probably if I can figure out how to do it from the NFL channel, I have a full game recap um, in the extended notes. But since that aired or the, the uh, game aired on Thanksgiving day, there has been a whole bunch of stuff that has come out with Jerry Jones and anybody that is a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan knows that Jerry Jones um, has owned the game the team since forever let's see when did Jerry Jones buy the Cowboys Because I have a feeling, I don't think, I know he's old as hell, but I don't think he's old. See, University of Arkansas, 1964. He was a co-captain, so he played ball. And he didn't buy the Cowboys until 89. What? H.R. Bum Bright. He, I had no idea. He bought them February 25th, 1989. And he says as of May of this year, he'll never sell because he could get 10 billion. I know he paid a bill 
a cool bill bans for that stadium but that's neither here nor there what has come out since then is his participation they call it the protest but it's a riot the little how um the little rock arkansas riot of the in the 50s where they protested people that looked like me integrating the schools in arkansas back in the 50s they got a picture of him up there, cool as day, very young, very impressionable, wilding in the 50s. And when I saw Stephen, what's his name? Uh, Stephen Smith. Uh, the most player hater raider in the world of the Cowboys talking in favor of him. I knew I had to watch this crap. Um, I don't think that in this country, even in 2022, real old rich white dudes, cisgender hetero mugs, that were born and raised in the south of shit in the north during the same period of time that Jerry Jones has existed. Either they are or have hooded cousins in this country. And you can't tell me that we can't do some facial recognition and recognize several high ranking of officials of several Fortune 500 companies as well as in the highest ranks of government from the north, the south and from the north that have that kind of history. I think we need to be for real and them trying to make him this late in life make atonement for that. They, they have like a whole list of things that Jerry Jones has to do to make atonement for his past hooded and ra uh, racial racist path path so I'm not sure if any him doing any of these things is really going to change the fact that he was a, a grand dragon because I always looked at his Popeye looking self I always thought he was but we just got the pictorial representation of it is it cool no is it going to change my mind from being a hardcore Dallas Cowboy fan? Probably not. I don't need Stephen A. Smith or anybody else commenting on it saying we need to cancel the Cowboys because that's not going to happen. The Cowboys are more than Jerry Jones. I didn't realize it wasn't until 89 when they were some real hood Negroes. Even when he took over the betting, um, online betting, he black folks has made this due to mint. He is going to die, leaving his family a legacy. And even that I don't care about. All I care about is the offense being consistent. I care about Dak Prescott not throwing an interception. I think about him not getting sacked. I think about the defense being the most scariest defense in their conference. Those are the only things I care about.
The Dallas Cowboys are more than Jerry Jones. And now I understand why. Because he bought them later in his life and in his career. And his treacherous background should not taint this team. And we're not going to cancel them like nobody's going to cancel Kelly Rowland for supporting Chris uh, Chris Brown or why Letitia Williams is being dragged again for anti-vaccine tweets that she did back in 2020. Nobody that does. It's not understandable. Not, they, none of them should be mentioned in the same breath. You know what I mean? And so I'm going to say this. Do I think Jerry Jones is a racist? Probably. Is he born again racist? I don't know. Don't care. As long as he doesn't get in the way of the Cowboys getting to the playoffs and maybe for the first time in 20 fucking years since he's probably taken over the team. Getting to the Super Bowl. That's all I got to say about that. I graduated. The last time the Cal- Dallas Cowboys probably went to the Super Bowl is when I graduated from high school. They need to go back sometime in the next several years to put all the hateration and holleration to bed because that's my team. And I'm glad that I'm not going to penalize the I would. That's stupid. I don't own now nickel and that dime about the Dallas Cowboys. You know what I mean? They made some overtime. I'm, I'm still confused why they still the um, Giants were able to make that last touchdown that it, they basically the defense. Something went, was there was a different call for the defense. But I honestly think that the team will go on like they have gone on in infamy since they took that picture of Jerry Jones. And don't get it twisted. Those weren't protests. It was riots, very similar to what was going went down in the Capitol on January 6th. Because a whole bunch of white folks felt some kind of way about the government being truly representational of everybody and not just a whole bunch of people that look like them. Don't get it twisted. I don't know if Jerry Jones is a born again racist. Don't care. But y'all need to stop fronting that a hooded cousin is not in all of y'all backgrounds. And that's all I got to say. These are the little things that people don't quite get that you have to think about especially right around the holidays I wish I had my bells my twinkling bells I'll try to see if I can loop that in uh, when I edit um, the podcast but check it out there is a, a a bit of give and take and any thing or in any situation especially around the holidays as a single person I didn't even think of this for example where do people 
or how do you decide where to even spend the holidays? It's a point of contention. I remember growing up and it was just always we it was just to me, it was a no brainer. We would go and spend it with my parents, my, my mother's side of the family. We never questioned it. And it was also weird that my father, through his own issues and depression and maybe PTSD, he didn't. We couldn't understand. I didn't understand it then, but I understand it now. Some people don't do well around the holidays and being reminded of certain things can be triggering to people. Um, So they're cool. And I'm like this now. They're cool around their nuclear, their primary family. But being around a whole bunch of other people, loud talking, et cetera, that may not be something that they would desire. So becoming infuriated and not being able to express those feelings or it being outside of the wheelhouse or at the time um, uh, you would show a side of weakness and we didn't have the words to be able to verbalize those types of feelings and not being able or feeling that you not being able to help uh, ask for help because you were going through your own psychological issues Black people at the time didn't do that. So the whole thing around holidays, I think about it a lot because I'm sitting here in my pajamas and that's what I did. I sat in my pajamas, ate food, took nap, watched TV. Um, Some people that sounds so good. And some people that sounds so not good. Having the added stress of deciding where you're going to go and who you're going to spend it with as a couple is something too. I was reading the field notes in the vow section of the New York Times, Sunday New York Times today, and the unjolly time of trying to split time between families and to uh, join up traditions is a consideration. And you may need to have those discussions, a serious discussion as early as possible. Um, If you are in a new relationship um, right at the beginning of the holidays, if it's going to become a a factor, you need to basically talk about it. They started the sales uh, for Black Friday sales early, why can't you start talking about what the plans are, if any, during the holidays? Um, and then being honest with yourself. Is it triggering to you to be around big groups of people that you hardly know? Um, what is the importance? Is the importance of uh, familial traditions uh, that give the guise of togetherness, but you never feel like y'all are together is a thing and not being triggered, not being, not really being all with the fakeness. Um, family is family above all, but if it's too triggering or you find it too triggering, you have to be honest with yourself because the time for fake 
mess and fake holidays is something that um, the fake holiday is a real it's actually a real thing. And even the gods of relationships, you know, being able to sort through the fakeness, if you can't have the real conversations to something as simple as where you're going to spend the holidays. That is on the surface. The guise of being mending together is something so real and fundamental to any relationship, meaning being truthful and transparent. Um, those things, even though they may hurt somebody's feelings, but then you can explore that and then you can actually man why you hurt their feelings and then come to some resolution. That's the whole thing, I think, behind wanting realness, wanting um, something that instead of avoiding the difficult conversations, how can we have the difficult conversation and still not either if we even if we did get our feelings hurt how you can actually address it and still mend the broke heart um hurt feelings etc and that's what the surviving over 40 um in newness and not being scared about new relationships and relationships in general because you can actually know that you're going to be able to talk through or get through most things um and it will bring you together stronger. That's the whole, I think. I am winding up this episode um, in a different, in a completely different state of mind, I'm hopeful. Um, This, it seems like the past four days have just blown by in a whirlwind of lack of activity. Um, This is, I spent, this is the second year that I have spent Thanksgiving in my home in Tennessee. And I'm just, and I have, and I believe I've spent a wide, a great amount of time just being reflective. Um, I'm grateful that I live here. I'm looking outside now and I need to go and pick these last uh, bits of a very brisk growing season. Um, A lot has changed uh, for me and my family this year with the untimely death of my father and my sister's diagnoses. I'm literally at all Um, and just happy and inspired of my time on this earth and what can I do to, I don't know, what can I do to inspire others um, to be creative while I'm creating, entertaining All I have from a talent standpoint is quick learner and 
dutifully perform my duties, my employed duties. That's the other thing. This is the gratitude list. I'm grateful for having a job that they taught me what to do and then they let me do it and I get paid on time doing it. That's in a nutshell. I'm grateful that I am safe where I live. Um, I have a beautiful home and I'm able to do maintenance on it. Next thing, I'm going to have to send an email or a request um, to get the leaves um, addressed and out of my yard. And also from around my pool. I'm grateful that I have a little dog that's not sick and she's back on her food. (laughs) Um, I am still being exposed to some really great books. Um, I was hip to Octavia Butler a couple of years ago, created a whole list in my online bookstore um, dedicated to her. Uh, what is it? Sci-fi books. She's one of the uh, she's one of the few, if any, fantastic, fant- like fantasy, fan- fantasy, uh, sci-fi thrill, black thrill writers. She's, um, if you read the paper, she's experiencing a renaissance with a a limited series that's in production now. And I think it's supposed to drop December or January of 2023 that I'm excited about. And I mention her here because even her journals, she wrote a series of books, had very limited success during her lifetime. And it was a short lifetime because she passed away um, after a fall in the 80s. Very little known and celebrated during her lifetime. And now she's experiencing a brand new discovery. It's really funny to me when people um, think they found somebody, but people in the know have known about their greatness for a very long time. And this is what is going on with Octavia Butler. One of the things or two of the things that are on her hit list about the things that she wanted to accomplish in her in her life. I will travel whenever and wherever in the world that I choose made difficult if due to the pandemic and also due to increasing social anxiety. So I might, I'm still grappling with that one. My books will be read by millions of people. Actually, I would love my book to be read by millions of people because then I could collect those royalties. Um, But if I can't have a book, I wish millions of eyes are going to be on one of my screenplay if it goes into production and it actually gets released. 
I plan on being one of the greatest undiscovered authors and screenwriters on this side of the Mississippi where people will go pull through um, just to get time with me. And with the digital age, I can be anywhere at any time, just a Zoom call away. <laughs> I want people to know my work, but balancing it where they don't think they know me. But what they do when they see my name, I will want them to expect uh, to be entertained and also to learn something. I can only do that if I'm free to create, doing what I necessarily need to do to create great works of fiction is how I want to roll. And what do I have to do to continue to get the inspiration, finding my muse in different ways and different times I think it's just right on the cusp and making the adjustments as much as I possibly can to make those things a reality. So I'm putting it out into the atmosphere. I have the beautiful home and a great neighborhood. I hope my work will help other black youngsters broaden their horizons. If I can't travel there, at least I can go there in my mind and create the story that will make other people want to travel and maybe encourage me to broaden my horizons and start traveling again. I want my books and screenplays to be read by millions or seen by millions on the big screen or the small screen for that matter. So be it. Let's get to it. And for a futuristic uh, foretelling of Octavia Butler, this is from a piece by Linnell George and again in the New York Times, Sunday New York Times. And she's science fiction, sci-fi. She is a sci-fi author. Um, there's a great photo of um, Octavia Butler uh, later in life. And again, she's had more articles and had and been on many syllabuses now in the last 16 years after she's gone away from here. than what her work was being studied and uh, applauded. She did receive a MacArthur Genius Grant. You know. And then her works. are being uh, her works have or her post post humorously or or after she passed away all of her works are being housed at the Huntington Library in San Marino, California. And it's like her works were a foretelling of what was to come in a future, a couple of decades after her death. And in the, and, and a, by people bringing back her works, 
it's just wild to me that she continues to live on. This is like she uh, a reincarnation of who what her works are after her death. And because they look at it at different takes, they're bringing it to film. It's like I wonder if it would if she would have allowed this um, if she had lived. You know what I mean? Or would she have orchestrated this in a different, a completely different route? I just want to live to see the success of her work or my work, let me see, of my work while I'm a living it, and I can actually have some say in how it's perceived or it's released to the masses. I think any type of creation can be left into interpretation, but you should still have retained a right to guide the recreation of the retelling in your own words and at your own pace as long as it's not cost prohibitive, you know what I mean? So what I've actually take away from my reflections from this past Thanksgiving is having the fortitude to and the space to create and to, again, continue to drive my own narrative. And if I want it to be positive and to make a positive impact, I have to be positive. I have to be equipped to be able to drive that narrative. Because if you leave it up to others, people will trip out and it'll go left right quick. So that's where I'm going to leave this. I think I have a little bit more writing and expansion to do on one of my screenplays while I am at it. And to continue to expand my work on another screenplay about a black female serial killer who's brought to justice by the black lady Pinkerton, the head of the black lady Pinkerton PI society, uh, PI agency. Maybe I see a little book series. I think so. And then I would have then I could actually use it as an adaptation that it can be and then be adapted into a screenplay, etc. Huh. And how do you bring like a serial and serialize it so it could be done on podcasts? It could be done on Audible. Uh, it can be done in different manner of facts. And I have to look up. Is there a black lady Pinkertons? I know there is a whole lady uh, detective uh, novel. That's in the back of my mind. But I wonder if one of those types of series already maybe already doesn't exist in the United States. Because that one is um, set in Africa. But I don't think there I don't know, but I'll look it up to see if there's these types of series um, that exist, because I have, I'm thinking I'm going to put it again, it's going to be in Memphis, and through a series of events, how this detective solved these murders, 
solves murders. I mean, murder mysteries. Hmm, that may be my new calling because it allows me to research and investigate these types of crimes and these types of women and then expanding it into a, a story. But it does sound like a book series as well as a limited series uh, on television as well as quasi Netflix prime release for a full feature. Hmm. But I got neat. Well, girl, I just need to get to right now. Huh? What a little bit of sleep and a lot of rest will do for you and a hot bath and Epsom salts will clear out your mind and allow you to be able to create ideas for other options to write. That's what that's what's up, y'all. So I watch a lot of reality TV and went to the movies, etc. So this next section is I don't know if you can term it the gripings of an old lady um, that probably needs more hobbies, but ain't getting none because I don't feel like it. So I was watching live TV and now the new trailers or the new advertisement for Black Panther, which has been opened up at like 300 million, um, which is almost unheard of uh, worldwide um, and did just as, and did very well domestically. And even in spite of it not being allowed to be uh, played in places like China and Russia, but in spite of that, you know, a lot of people have, have gone to see it, including myself, and I've been trying to not have any spoilers, but they basically revealed a couple of things I noticed. They revealed who I suspected was going to be um, the new Black Panther. It's Shuri. Sorry, y'all. And also who was not included in Wakanda Forever. Um, this was the black general, female general, her, they call, he wrote the rhinoceroses, I think. He wasn't in there, but the head of um, the people that rule the, ve the vegan um, gorilla people, um, who I absolutely adore, he is, he's awesome. Um, Killshot was actually in, uh, Michael B. Jordan was also in um, this, Killshot was actually in this, um, this movie. He appeared to because um, the elders um, are supposed to come when the heart-shaped herb or flower is ingested. The only one that showed up was Killshot, and it was good that he showed up because even though he took, tried to take the throne by force, and T'Challa um, ended up killing him, he basically says, in order to be a leader, sometimes you got to be ruthless and do what you don't you uh, have to do even though it's against. You can't, sometimes you wanna walk that fine line and that's what Tatala did very well, but sometimes you really have to go to the dark side and that's what Shuri needed to embrace in order to attempt to repel um, 
the fish people, I call them. That whole sequence with her fighting that king of the underworld, underwater world, it was brutal. And the future of Wakanda, and there's basically two Wakandas. There's one under the sea, and then there's one, um, and there's also one uh, in, uh, There was one in um, in um, Africa. I also like how they interwove the mistreatment of the Native Amer Native people um, and slavery, and how all the two backgrounds of those races were greatly affected by colonization. It basically, um, the white colonizers don't get a break, and they don't and they don't um, uh, look well. So to me, this, uh, the people of the, the, that ruled Vibranium, because Vibranium does rule two different worlds and the colonizers want to get access to it, but we know that that would be definitely a mistake. Um, and also being, also being, um, amendable to having to change course because sometimes you gotta adjust. It also, the fascination with the greatness of our world and how much of it is still unexplored and how we'll destroy things in our attempt to protect ourselves at the demise of others, but we got we can't live that way. There was a lot of truth I think they dealt with very effectively and themes that they uh, dealt with effectively in the, uh, Wakanda Forever. I think it was beautifully shot. I love the costuming. I like the writing. I like the music. I like the action. It's like one of those, probably one of those great movies that make it easy, very, very easy for you to um, see it multiple times because I know I'm going to go see it again when I go to Virginia. Um, I'm also going to probably end up buying either the streaming and probably the DVD because I did that with the first Black Panther. I'm really just excited about what is to come, you know. Also, in this past weekend and just hot gossip and hot not, I guess, Portia Williams from The Real Housewives of Atlanta uh, had her American wedding to a Simon, and I know I'm going to mess up his last name, Gabadia. He's actually a Nigerian prince of our, in a real one. <laughs> Technically, um, he actually oh, is CEO of some petroleum company. And it is, the pictures actually on Facebook and excuse me, on Instagram, absolutely look gorgeous. I didn't know that she's 41 years old. I didn't think she was that old. Um, What's the, what's the deal about that? Uh, she still is a housewife. 
she actually now is married to the ex-husband of one of her friends from the show. Um, I guess the late girl's name is Cynthia, who was still married to Dude um, on season 13 when she was introduced um, as uh, Portia Williams' friend. They get divorced, and within like a very short period of time, they had announced that they had started dating and then they had gotten married. All I want to know is, long as he ain't on the DL, like they said uh, Cordell Stewart was, and he makes her happy, that's all it really matters. What I do remember about this girl, because I didn't really watch um, season 13 like that, is I always thought Portia Williams was stupid. Um, her grandfather actually, or her family was really involved with the civil rights and she didn't know basic uh, history. Um, and the shade that, um, oh, what's that girl name? That former Miss USA. That was the other thing. Um, through shaded her because number one, she gave her title, her title was incorrect. Um, and then she didn't know something basic about where the house and, and, and involvement in the movement. And it in season 13, it showed Portia very uh, vigorously, like um, Yandy, who was all, I think I saw a photo of her and Mendeecees at her wedding um, involvement in the Black Lives Matter uh, movement and being arrested, et cetera. So she definitely made up for her earlier stupidity. Um, during the show, what else in the Atlanta news? I don't have a whole bunch. I saw something which I thought was crazy. Um, I, the it's like real life is more interesting like off the cameras can sometimes be very interesting in these uh hip-hop series in these uh, uh reality tv series and one of the things that i had saw was some it this is not even new uh uh the rumors about um faust rashida faust uh marrying Kurt when she was like 17. She was actually a teenager, it looks like, when she got married to him. And I didn't know he is 13 years older than she is. That's why it looks like, one, why he looks so much harder than her, um, because Rashida is absolutely gorgeous. Mm. He have those older kids. It's because he had three full kids or three, four baby mamas even before he got with Rashida, who was and still looks like a baby-faced teenager. Um, I don't know if it's Botox or just the melanin protecting her skin, but she is an absolutely beautiful uh, black woman. Um, the past season 
of uh, Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, it's them working through, again, not just a rumor of infidelities, but again, multiple infidelities, and now he had a whole baby on her. Um, they broke up for a while. Um, they got back together, but they were still living in separate rooms or separate parts of their humongous house. Um, and they seem to be on better footing, but I don't think they are all the way back to where they once was. Because when all of this broke, COVID hit, and then they had to readjust their businesses um, and then go in, at, and then go into lockdown and still learning how to parent co-parent when they really weren't together and how they integrate the little, um, what's his name? Car not Carter, because that's her son. Kurt's extracurricular son with his cute self, a little bit demonic, and he seems like a bit of a baby kid, but how he they incorporate it and they do it and with dignity and with grace. Because I know sometimes behind the scenes, I wonder, they, I don't think they have the cameras rolling 24-7. Because some of the conversations I would have loved to have heard. I remember one time when Rashida went, was going off on her father tripping. So that's another thing. And I also, I'm just going to make mention of the BMF documentary is also dropped on stars, which I've been viewing through Prime Video. A lot of people from hip hop um, and on this show feature heavily in that documentary and the real life um, tale of the black mafia family, like Blue Da Vinci, Jeezy. I could have swore I saw Mimi, uh, in that maybe Stevie J. It was like all of them partied with this huge black drug gang. So, and it's actually, I think this is the sixth episode that I watched um, and rewatched because I was like tripped out about how they lived big. I didn't know that Fennery, Big Meech Fennery had caught a double murder charge and he basically walked um, the millions and billions of dollars that this group sold in drugs um, and they basically called blowing money fast because they were burning it up. I mean the bottles and bottles, like uh, refrigerators full of Cristal, rooms comped in Cabo, um, to just to celebrate and turn up uh, while they were in um, Mexico. And speaking of the turn up, I'm skipping around a little bit because I've just, I took notes, but then I don't know where I put the notes. But anyways, I watched also with my reality TV game, I also watched Real Housewives of uh, Potomac. And the group is down, was down in Miami. The beefing and ill will, you could see intention started even before they left DC. Um, they went, all of the girls were invited um, down to Miami to a house that one of the newer, newish characters, Mia, 
had rented, I'm sure it was comp through Bravo, um, a house on the bay, one of those beautiful open houses. And even though it's on the bay, uh, they had a full-size pool, jacuzzi, et cetera. Um, there was controversy about who got what room. Um, they were trying to play fast and loose with Candace because it looks like the, a lot of the girls don't really like her that much, but she does have some relationships with some of them. And they go to bar one, which is Peter uh, from another Real Housewife. He, he's ex-husband of Cynthia Bailey. And it just goes left with Mia throwing a drink at Wendy, who is the doctor. Um, she's a PhD. And I think I mentioned in the previous episode about how dismissive and she's how she is, but it all got in, going left when Mia just started going off because she, Wendy being her usual stank, fake dismissive self, basically mentioned some, something kind of out of, I don't know, something that either Mia took wrong or she was just, no, she was throwing shade at Mia's husband. Um, and they just going back and forth and then ended up with her throwing a drink and then bucking up against her again. And they cussing each other out. Some real ratchet, loving hip hop shit. But it was just one of those things that Wendy ends up leaving the house. They end up going back in separate cars. Karen gets accused of being two-faced when I think they're all two-faced, shady, um, and backstabby. Uh, Mia says she wants to go home, but then she doesn't leave because Wendy leaves. They all, and even though Wendy got the drink thrown at her, the lines of allegiances are drawn. Candace and Oh, um, messy Ashley because they go to meet with Karen go to meet Wendy for lunch on Karen's birthday because she Mia refused to have a party um, at the beach and that's why she gets madder and she's threatening to kick everybody out the house that doesn't side with her even though she was dead ass wrong for throwing a drink at that girl but the highlight of this all was them meeting Trina. Trina is one of an elite group of rappers from that basically uh, rapped our theme music and background music for the 90s. Um, and again, I didn't get really into her music and Trick Daddy and them until Love and Hip Hop Miami and to mention of them on um, The Read, another popular podcast. I'm not as my podcast is definitely not as popular as the Reap, but um, their love of Trina and that era of rap is, you know, phenomenal. And that's how I got hip to it. But anyways, they meet her because Trina actually does a hook or features on um, Candace's um, album. And it looks like, it sounds like it's going to be pretty good. The song, I, it's a vibe. It really is a good vibe. And there's a couple of things about this show. I would never, 
if I want to go to Miami and enjoy the beauty that was just that house, I didn't even have to go anywhere. They could have just ordered in or had a chef come and prepare great food for them. They have a lobster for breakfast, girl. But what I do know is there would be no way in hell I would go to that beautiful of a spot, either Cabo with that group of people. Did it one time, won't do it again because you're not going to ruin my vibe. But the level of fakeness, um, two-facedness, there would be no way I would have traveled anywhere with that the group of women that is that type. That, you know, that could be standing over your bed, cussing you out in one fell swoop and throwing shit, trying to bop you in the head. Nah, girl, ain't nobody fitting to do any of that. And that's how that trip has gone. And them capturing it on video, I don't think it even gives it justice because anybody in their right mind would never and would not want to travel with anybody like those women. And that's just how I personally feel. And I'm sure other people would personally feel that like trip looked like it cost a half a million dollars. Ain't anybody gonna drop that kind of cash um, for it to be all spoiled because people don't know how to act and they don't act with human decency and kindness. So um, I don't know. The Miami turn up was a big letdown or turn down because people don't still got a whole bunch of money but doesn't buy you class, doesn't buy you uh, a basic humanity because they got down there and acted like a fool. So that's how we're going to end this episode. And I'm going to end it with a, a positive word. I used to scoff at people making this statement because maybe because of its simplicity or maybe because it sounded more like an admonishment that I was being everything but kind. But then when I started investigating it for myself, that's when I realized that I was confusing politeness with kindness. Politeness is a fake superficial manner in which there's no required investment, no self-reflection. But being kind is an adjective. It is, on, it is an action. If you're kind to yourself first, it's like exercise memory. You will continue and be kind to others. Let that sit with you for a while. I'm going to try to be kind to myself. I'll be kind to others. It's very simple, and you got to repeat it. Lean into the spirit of a new year by counting your blessings, giving to others, and spreading happiness. I know I will. And this episode or this podcast is my means to spread joy and happiness and light and enlightenment. There's so much going on with aggression and um, just meanness. But if I can leave you with one small positive thought, start your day with that, that can change everything for you and, and just basically change your day. Don't forget to check out Dale's Angels Inc. for the notes on this podcast as well as other works by CQM in, um, that are, and other contributors that are in work or in um, being edited right now. Um, also, check out my Instagram feed, Tenfro is Reading. You can check me out on Facebook, Tenfro is Reading Book Club, as well as my YouTube channel, Tenfro is Reading and Eating. And what I'm just chatting and streaming 
um, at TV Food Wine Girl on Twitter. Uh, navigate to Riders Block Coffee or shipabagaddicts.com. Use my promo code Tenfro Coffee or Tenfro Got Jokes, respectively, to get a percentage off of your order. Don't forget to drop me a line at tenfrowisreading at gmail.com. Um, all non trolly messages may be actually uh, read online, and you can do the same if you are in Podbean or Anchor or wherever you listen to the podcast. And again, shedding light and positivity. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I've enjoyed creating it. Until next time, bye.